It's great to be here for another episode of Wednesday Night Live. And uh, I'm very grateful that the weather forecast that spoke about hail and tornadic activity was not an accurate forecast. And we're all here um, safely and dry and well. And we're going to be spending some time here looking at a word that the Lord gave that I hope will be a, a blessing. It certainly speaks of what we're doing right now. And uh, the title of the message is The Sure Place. And it, um, the outline is available for those of you who are listening online. And everybody here has... Uh, has received a distribution of this, so we can go on ahead and, and talk about this. <clears throat> when, uh, when I was praying about what we should share together tonight from the Word, I recalled a discussion that was being had yesterday on uh, Saints Radio, and it was about the nail uh, in the Old Testament, and particularly what... Um, what we had studied in the past regarding the nail um, as a proof text out of Ze Zechariah 10, the corner, the nail, the battle bow, and the mighty men. And we talked about that from a progression of how it lines up with prayer, <clears throat> the fourfold dimension of prayer, the incense. And uh, particularly during that time, I was saying that with all of the things that we're facing right now, the, the nail prophetically represents us keeping a grip on what our assignment is from God. And um, that's a key in life, to keep your, your eye on your, your priority, to keep an eye on what your goal is. And um, if you can do that, you can accomplish just about anything. But in the spirit realm, it's very important because um, when God gives you an assignment, the enemy will try every way he can to get you to forget your assignment and to get preoccupied or urgencies and emergencies or weariness or, you know, any number of things could come to take you away from that perspective. And, you know, Jesus talked about our eye being single or a pinpoint of, of focus. And when that happens, it's full of light. But if you have a divided view, uh, then die vision, more than one vision comes, and you then not only miss the mark probably, but you are filled with darkness. And, <clears throat> and I think this plays out in so many ways in what we do God gives us, um, God gives us um, in this time frame a lot of different assignments, a lot of different theaters of operation. And um, you, you really have to identify the focus of the Lord and keep that, keep that prominently before you, or um, you can get confused by... The, the many different assignments that the Lord is giving you. And um, so the nail itself really does uh, signify 
the identity of your assignment and your focus therein. And that's something that, that I think we, we really need to, to get a hold of before we look at this teaching tonight. It's kind of like what Isaiah said, whose report will you believe? To whom then will the arm of the Lord be revealed? You've got to keep, you know, that, that signifies that there is more than one report. And you've got to focus in on the report that God has given at the expense of all others. And, um, you know, people can be blown about by every wind of doctrine. And, um, you know, you've got to make sure that your course is set on where God has called you to go because those other doctrines can confuse and at, at the most, the most important thing is cause you to forget about what your assignment is or question it and then subsequently you fail the Lord. And there are a lot of different illustrations concerning this same principle in the scripture. But the key to victory for us as intercessors is to keep our focus on what God has given us to do. You know, we were talking about praying um, before we entered into this, this, uh, this time of teaching tonight. And um, God will take you as an intercessor in a number of different places uh, to, to serve him when you're before his throne. And um, sometimes when you're in intercession, you really don't know, especially when you're praying in the spirit, you don't really sometimes know what God has you praying about or what nation you're praying for. But he, he, he allows you to bless them. He allows you to serve him in that. And, and in some ways, we are strengthened and benefited in ways that we perhaps don't recognize through our exchanges there. In some ways, we're paying forward in those types of intercessory encounters, and we have no idea how then God will repay us by having other nations and other theaters of operations praying for us. And it really is a wonderful thing. But through it all, I always must keep my focus on what God has specifically given to me to accomplish, what authority he's given me, what mission he's given me. And um, if, you don't, if you don't hold on to that crown, somebody's going to take it from you. And the Lord says, you know, hold fast your crown. Let no man take it from you. Um, people, people, no matter how well-meaning, no matter how wonderful they might be in so many different ways, nobody's going to respect the authority that God has given you. Um, nobody's going to respect it for you. Nobody's going to respect that for you. And they're not going to understand. It's like what we said at the very, very beginning when God called you to be an intercessor. We said, don't expect everybody to stand up and applaud and say, oh, yes, we believe you. In fact, in most cases, they try to talk you out of it or tell you that you've gone round the bend and you need to come back to your senses. And even then we said, you know, you've got to hold fast to what God has given you. And that principle is the same all the time now especially when the, the duties increase, when the, uh, the various measures of interaction increase, if you don't hold on to what God has given you um, and, and hold on to that nail of identity and assignment, 
you're, you're, you're going to lose the battle. And I'm not saying God won't love you. I'm not saying that you won't be uh, a blessing to others. But long time ago, I recognized that I wasn't put on this earth just to be a blessing to others. I was put on this earth to fulfill the assignment God created me to fulfill. And um, there's a big difference between those two things. And if you're, if you're a people pleaser, that's great. But you've got to recognize that your chief end is to please God. And he wants you to fulfill the mission that he created you to fulfill. So it's about perspective and it's about focus. And that's the essence of what the nail is. But tonight, and we've taught about the nail in the past. We've talked about the time when the, the General Cicero was killed by Jael and, and the nail to the forehead. And, you know, we've talked about all those other different, the pinnings of the tabernacle and all those things. But these, these four passages really came, um, came to the forefront in my thinking. And I believe that there's a message for us uh, in this. And um, uh, I think that these four really easily align themselves with um, um, the, the, the four capacities of intercession. And see, um, you know, even, even the message of focus, it, it matters when there are twins in the room and their mom comes to get them and they have fellowship and they walk out. You know, you've got to keep your focus or you can lose it. And I had to keep my focus during all that because Papa wanted to say, go. But Papa doesn't say that very much. But anyway, um, let's look at this first passage, a little space of grace in the holy place. How do you like that? And it's true, all those words are in this passage. Ezra 9, verse 8. And now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. This was Ezra when they were getting ready to come back with Nehemiah's contingent um, to, to, uh, uh, to be that, that second wave of influence after Zechariah um, and uh, Joshua had begun the work of restoration for Jerusalem. And he said this during a time when, you should read this, it's good reading. Um, he said this during a time when the people didn't seem really that interested in, um, in going back to Jerusalem. He was, he was praying and he said, hey, would you, to one of, his, one of his servants, would you go and see if people are readying to go? And he said, they're not. And he ripped his garment and he started pulling the hair out of his head. Boy, how'd you like to have a preacher like that? And uh, he was saying these things, and it just was, uh, it was, a, it was a, a difficult moment. But he, he really identifies, Ezra the priest identifies that these catchphrases, a little space of grace, um, a remnant, a nail in his holy place, so that we may gain a measure of light and a reviving in our bondage. This is interesting because you've got grace, which we're in this year of grace. You've got 
you've got a time where, you know, maybe not everybody is as, as enthused about the mission God has given to us as they should be. Um, you've got a remnant that's being developed. Um, and you've got this word that he says, a nail in his holy place. What in the world does that mean? It practically, and we've taught about this in the past, but what in the world does that mean? Well, first of all, Ezra was in this Babylonian captivity. They didn't have a temple over there. And, and he's referring to the holy place. Certainly the high priest knew the difference between the holy of holies and the holy place. Certainly he knew that. Would you agree with me? And so he says that this nail was given in what representatively would be the holy place. The holy place had its greatest um, point of emphasis during the tabernacle days. And it really was the, the place where the, the showbread and the incense and the, the, the candlestick was. So you had their identity with the showbread you had their incense, which was intercession, and you had the candlestick, which really represented the light of the Lord through his seven spirits. And those three things were the main points of identity for the holy place. Now, Ezra says that the nail was given in that environment. So what does that mean for us? When we're moving in grace as the remnant of God, we need to have uh, this 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 specific measure to fulfill his calling. Um, it means that when we, we should never forget our identity, the showbread for the, for the tribes. We should never forget our, our intercession, which is in that, um, as incense, it, it is in that, uh, that, that fourfold description of, 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 how we function there and we should remember that we are partnering with the eyes of God the seven spirits and we should never forget those things never forget our identity never forget our burden to pray never forget the, the partnership that we have with God and through that understanding the nail is given this this nail is given and so we ask God to lighten our eyes and to give us measures of strength, give us measures of encouragement, give us measures of, of vitality. And, you know, sometimes when over the years we've, we've become weary and well-doing, um, you know, we, we'd like to say, you, you would think that with this project, okay, this project that Ezra was encountering, and remember another passage when they gathered, he said, Listen, we need to pray here at the river before we go because I wasn't going to ask the king to send us soldiers to protect us. What would that look like if we asked them to protect God's people on this holy mission? And so they prayed and they asked God to be with them and to protect them. I mean, this was, this was a major thing. This was at the end of the, 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 uh, the 70 years. This was them going back and the prophetic thing. So what I'm saying about this is, wouldn't you think that you would have trumpet calls and a, and a, and a tremendous amount of grace 
Wouldn't you think that God would just be pouring bucketfuls of grace for this thing? Because this was a major thing for them to return to Jerusalem. This, this was a major thing. So why is Ezra saying a little space of grace? I mean, that, that's minuscule. That's a teeny tiny dimension. But it was the way grace came at this incredible moment was a little space of grace. That, that's weird, isn't it? That, that, that goes against anything that we would, that we would even think. But that's the way God moves. And it seems to me that the greater, the greater the assignment, the greater the partnership with God, the, the narrower the pathway. It seems to me that when God works his greatest miracle, it's always with just a handful of meal. It's always with an, an impossible situation that looks like he has just absolutely uh, understated the moment and has forgotten all about us or, or about his people. So for Ezra at this crucial moment, I th- and I think everybody in here would say that w- what we're talking about with this assignment, the going back after the years of captivity, the going back to Jerusalem was, was a pretty big thing to God, you know? I mean, this, this, was, this was no small thing. This wasn't a side theater operation that maybe gets lost in the pages of history. So why in the world would this guy say, you know, we've just got a little space of grace? And why would he say, now I could see why he'd say a remnant. And I, and I could see why, you know, he'd say, man, we're, we're really needing a reviving here. We're needing an illumination. But this grace business is, is really a, an odd thing. It just kind of, it's, it's inspiring to me, but it goes against what, you know, we're talking about great grace. This is the year of great grace. We just had this seminar, and it is. There's a lot of things going, but it seems like some of the assignments that we're, we're facing, we know it's of grace. We know it's partnership with God, but you're looking for that sliver of grace in a time when great grace abounds. This is very important for us to see. And how, how do you find this nail which, which is given to you to hold on? We're going to look at the other three capacities. This is really the voice. This is really the time where you say, you know, I'm an intercessor. And, um, you know, I'm, be, I'm, 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 I'm staking my claim on this. And I've got to be contrite. It, it, it really does in, indicate uh, a little space of grace. And um, so we find it. But we've got to remember what was in that holy place. You know, Ezra could have said, you know, we're going back. We're going to be reestablishing the temple. You know, God is there in that holy of holies. And, you know, this is where the nail came from. No, he said it was from the holy place, which indicates your identity in God, indicates your partnership in the, in the seven spirits, God's eyes, and indicates you continuing to lift up the intercession that he's called you to lift up in incense. That's where the nail is secured. That's where the nail is issued. 
that's where this nail is is really uh, granted to you that assignment not and not just that assignment but the uh, the goal line of the assignment now let's look at the next passage a sure place Isaiah 22 verses 20 through 24 and it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim the son of Hilkiah and I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle and I will commit thy government into his hand he will be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder so he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open and I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house and they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house the offspring and the issue all vessels of small quantity from the vessels of cups even to the vessels of flagons now what does all that mean well historically this is Isaiah prophesying about uh, the time when uh, uh, the Assyrians were surrounding Jerusalem and Rabshakeh was there and you remember that Eliakim was granted by the king I won't mention his name but you know who all who he is uh, he was granted by the king uh, to go and represent the people of God in front of this this Rabshakeh spokesman and uh, but but the nail in the sure place sure there is Ammon that's the right hand which represents that you are representing the king. It indicates that you are representing the king. And when we come before God, uh, we are at the right hand of the Father, the place of the sons, the sanctuary, the place of the saints, where Jesus is seated at the right, where he's operating in authority, that right hand of the prophetic. And Isaiah says that the nail comes from the right hand place sure there is a man that's the right hand and so we know that when we go before God and we're representing our Heavenly Father that's what the key of David is all about we are representing our Heavenly Father we're representing God and um, this this nail there is identified as being in the Amon place the place from the right hand of God and um, I think we need to we need to remember that now how does this line up with with thunders well you know when we're an intercessor here we say through contrition we're caught up in the in the the the, the, the wind of the spirit to that place where God is is energizing his people and and getting them prepared and ready as dust to be able to move forward and that makes perfect sense that the secret place of thunder which is there at the throne is um, is where this nail would also be identified as being given the nail in the sure place the nail in the Amon place so so far we see that our assignment so far that we see not only our assignment but our goal in that assignment is indicated by God at his throne the right hand of God but also indicated by the holy place which would speak about our identity in God 
would speak about our intercession from God and would speak about the, the partnership with his seven spirits, his ways. So I, I'm grateful that our assignment as saints and our assignment for the nations comes from those two places. It's not, listen, it didn't, this, this assignment didn't happen because it was a lifelong goal of mine. You know, I didn't grow up thinking, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, you know, I, I, I never thought that this is what we'd be doing. And you didn't either. But this was given by God. This was given in the time of remnant identity in a little space of grace from the throne on behalf of what his eternal identity is, on behalf of partnership with his seven spirits, and on behalf of what we are offering as saints and incense. And because of that, it's a good thing, but it's also a vulnerable thing. It's a good thing because you know that this is from God. And that's the greatest strength you can have. The vulnerable thing is that you don't have any trophies to show all your buddies that wonder is what wonder what it is you're doing and there's a whole lot of other things around that are being done in the name of the Lord that you can look at and say hey we've got some tangible evidence here now for me I do think we have tangible evidence I mean you just look around the nations and you see the way God is opening up door after door after door and you see hundreds and hundreds of people that are you know you, you should have seen um, the international report from first Saturday and how <clears throat> Belgium just poured out incredible series of words. I mean, we've been laboring there in Belgium for years, and, and to see the way that God's speaking through those churches is incredible. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And um, I'm so grateful for that. But yet, so many other places um, being able to bring people into an understanding or 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 an awakening to the fact that they have an eternal identity and they can minister before God at his throne and they can represent the kingdom of God on earth and to see that happen because God stirred their heart in some way <clears throat> made connection with us here you think about how rare that is. You talk about a little space of grace. Think how rare that is for somebody in a nation thousands of miles away to, through some circumstance, have a hunger for, from God and then uniquely, in a way that none of us can explain, connect them with us. Think about what a difficult, un, unimaginable shot that is. I mean, only God could do that. O only God could do that. But, but then to go and to see, yeah, here, let, let's show, let us show you what, what this is. I mean, that's, that's a nail that could only be generated from the holy place, that can only be generated from the right hand of God. And um, then this famous passage. I like this. I, I don't know what's got into me. It's probably 
associating with uh, Denise and the dwelling house, getting all these catchy, <laughs> an honorable horse in the midst of the goats. Um, Zechariah 10, verses 1 through 4. Ask you the Lord, rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no ra'ah, no judgment. Mine anger was kindled against those ra'ahs, and I punished the goats. Calls them the goats. Goats will eat anything. They have no sense of discipline at all. Anything that comes around, they'll eat cans. They'll eat junk. It's amazing. Goats will eat anything. They really will. And um, the Lord of hosts has visited the flock of the house of Judah and have made them his goodly horse in battle. Remember what we studied about goodly. Hod, that is the honor. And, you know, that's, that's what God wants from us. So he can ride us into battle as a person of honor. Out of him, out of who? The Lord of hosts came forth the corner, the nail, the battle bow, and of him every oppressor together or the mighty men. Um, the corner is the place of assignment where you are going to represent God there in that juxtaposing point of, of, of uh, divine location. Um, the nail comes next. And that's really where God at this place we've been talking about gives you his assignment. And, and really that assignment is operative, but it's also the goal. And then the battle bow, which is that arrow, the quiver of God, the sons of God are called to be as arrows. God's arrows are as lightning. And remember, we've talked about this, voice, thunders, lightnings, and earthquake. And from this point of the nail, because of this point of assignment and placement, you then have the target of the Lord to release you as lightning, to release that power that is needed to then affect the earthquake or the changing of things, the turning things upside down and as we've said many occasions in the book of acts those who have turned the world upside down have come near unto us and um, that's where the mighty men will be used of god in powerful ways but you will also raise up mighty men but i think it's interesting to see that the uh the nail comes from the lord of hosts Look at that, out of him, out of him, out of him, out of who? Well, it's right there, the Lord of hosts, the armies of the Lord, the ar God as the head of the armies of the angels. And, um, you know, we're in this fast of the fourth month. Remember, it's the fast of the Lord of hosts. And we are preparing ourselves to, to be used of God in his army. Um, all of these things just lay upon one another. The four, you know, the four things, the four incense, the 10-4 thing we just read here. Um, 
voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, and on and on. You know, they, they just all, it's just all there. And, and so for us, though, we need to see that this nail comes out of the Lord of hosts. So what have we seen thus far? You've got the, that thin piece of grace for the remnant that is a nail in the holy place. It's a, an eternal identity, an eternal invitation to partner with the Spirit of God. It is the eternal invitation to be intercessors that would pray God's kind of praying. And, you know, and the other four, the four ingredients of the incense, that lays there as well. Um, you, you see that it's a divine assignment from the, uh, the right hand of God. You are representing God. You are there in that secret place of thunder in the heavens. And it is there that he releases your assignment and he empowers you as an, assign, an assignment. The first one in Ezra is you saying, yeah, I'm willing to do this. Yeah, I'm willing to be what you're calling me to be on this earth. I'm willing to assume this identity. I'm willing to assume this partnership on earth. I'm willing to assume to offer my, my intercession here. And then as that happens, you're drawn up into the heavens. And God then begins to form you through relationship with him there at that right hand, which is where Jesus is seated, which is why he came to earth. When he died and rose again, that's where he went because that's where he prays for us that we would accomplish for the saints the will of God. And, uh, you know, so that nail is, is assured there in the heavens. It's, 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 the assignment is accepted on earth. It's then granted in a mighty way and empowered in the heavens. But then we are going to be assigned to a place as sons. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to be the touch point of God on earth as it is in heaven. And the Lord of hosts is giving us this nail. You know, think about it. We accepted the assignment. God spoke to us about it and empowered us in the heavens. And now we're an operative lightning bolt from the heart of God to, to be partnering with the Lord of hosts on earth. This is all that measure of the nail. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Now, here where God is in this, the title of this little subsection is a horse of honor in the midst of the goats. Goats. That, that's, those are God's words. He classifies those who are no longer walking according to the direction of God they're not that ra'ah. They've got people that are more like goats than sheep. They've got people that'll eat anything and are hungry for everything. And, um, you know, but on the other hand, the sheep are following him. God says in the time of the end, the goats are going to be on the left-hand side. They're going to be judged by God. And the sheep are going to be on the right-hand side. And, um, but for us in this equation... We're not goats following after everything. We are, we are this horse, this honor horse for battle 
and we are participating in the placement of God, the corner. We are representing our assignment and our goal. We are as lightning in the battle bow, and we are going to see an incredible change as dictated by the eternal plan and will of God. I think that's a terrific thing. So the last passage we have is really uh, another passage about the nail. Here in Isaiah 54, it is, it is uh, translated as stakes, but it's the same Hebrew word as has been being studied tonight and translated as nail. Um, and this, this is really preparing and implementing yourself for that time when God transforms things. Isaiah 54, verses 2 through 5. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Spare not, remember that word, lengthen your cords and strengthen thy stakes or thy nail. For you'll break forth on the right hand and on the left. Your seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, you will not be ashamed, neither be confounded, for you shall not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and shall not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. Now, that's a wonderful thing. We know that verse. We've heard Don Potter sing that verse. And, and it, it really is, it is, it is a stem winder. It's a really good verse. But look at those two words. Um, spare not and strengthen. Spare not is hasak. And it, it, it means to withhold, to, to not extend your hand, but to, but to withhold. This is what God said to Abram when he had Isaac up on the top of the mountain. And he said, because you have not withheld, there's that word hazak, your son, I'm going to bless. And God says, spare not. Don't get stingy now when you're in the midst of seeing the visitation. But I want you to see the, the comparison of that word with a derivative word, hazak, because that means to tighten the grip. And where do you tighten the grip? On the nail. You tighten the grip on the stake. So on the one hand, God's saying, don't withhold your hand. And just a couple words later, he says, strengthen your hand, hazak and hazak, the nail. I think that's interesting, don't you? And I think at this time, you know, if you look at all the words, other words that are being said there, why would somebody spare? Why would he withhold? Why would she withhold? Because of fear? Because of the feeling of, sh of being ashamed? Maybe being confounded in this time with a little space of grace? Um, reproach? The feeling that you are abandoned as, as 
a someone that no longer has uh, your supplier or the, the one that would be uh, providing for you. Now, again, why would think about that? Again, it's back to this business about great grace and the little space of grace. Here you've got God saying, okay, expand, get ready, enlarge your tent, don't withhold, uh, put your stakes out further, and really apply your hand to that nail. Why would he say that in the midst of this business about fear and being ashamed and being confounded and feeling abandoned? Why would he say that? That, that makes no sense to juxtapose those two things side by side. And it would say to me that at the time when you are really ready for expansion, when that nail that you accepted from God, that was assured at the right hand of God, that is your assignment in partnership with the Lord of hosts, at the time when you are really ready for the expansion of the victory of the Lord, there's going to be the temptation to say, well, I don't know if I want to put my hand to this nail that much. I think I better spare. I better withdraw my hand. Because, you know, they're confused a little bit, maybe a bit ashamed. You know, I feel like I'm abandoned. You know, I'm confounded. You know, you've got all of those things there. And it would seem to me that every one of these has oppositions that are right around. Like I said about Ezra, he, he's got this breakthrough in this time of great grace, this opportunity to lead the people back to where the place has already been being, the rebuilding of Jerusalem has already been happening for between 12 and 14 years with, with uh, Zechariah and Joshua. And, you know, he's going to go and he sends somebody out and say, hey, can you go find whether the people are ready? And they come, he comes back and he says, well, they don't look like they're paying attention at all, you know? And he rips his garment, he pulls his hair out, and he's crying unto God. And, and he says this in the midst of that. You would have thought they would have been doing a, a break dance out there. Hey, we're going back. This is great. Look at this breakthrough, 70 years. Now we're finally going home. But the people are just kind of, I don't know, I don't know whether I want to go or not. How does that make any sense at all? A little space of grace? You can't put that out on the bulletin board. Nobody's going to come for a little space of grace. They want it lathered on, I'm telling you. Put it together in a fiery sermon. Have a 10-piece band up here getting this rocking. A little space of grace, a remnant. Who wants to hear that? Well, that's what Ezra dealt with in his nail. What about this, this next one? What's this prophecy about? Isaiah 22. Well, you know this. Hezekiah, of all people, is there, and he's confounded because the Assyrians are coming. He doesn't want to go out on the wall, so he gives Eliakim the key of representation of the throne to go out and talk to Rabshakeh, who's telling these guys all kinds of stuff, speaking in their, their own language. He said, you know, let's speak the language of the Assyrians. No, I'm going to speak in full-blown Hebrew. I want everybody to hear what I'm saying. You're trusting the words of the prophet. You're trusting the words of your king. You're all going to die. And in the middle of that, you've got this sure word. Amon. This sure nail. Give me a break. 
that's not that that doesn't even make any sense and then here you've got this an honorable horse in the midst of the goats he's talking about shepherds that aren't leading their people anymore and they're they're not discerning between good and evil that's what shepherd ra is they're not they're not they're not separating those things and god calls them a bunch of goats you're just out roaming around eating everybody's trash eating whatever's out there but in the midst of that you've got this word out of the lord of hosts the corner the nail what's that about now you'd think by the time they come to this that everybody would have been on board all the shepherds would have gotten back in line but no that's not the way this is is it and then you look at this next one God's saying, enlarge the place of your tent. You know, and Don Potter of the Jews is up there playing, and he probably got three or four shofars backing him up. And, you know, but then God drops this one. You know, you, I know you felt like I've abandoned you. You know, you're a widow without a husband, and you got to be confounded. you got to be ashamed. You know, you got, you've got reproach there. You know, you're shamed. Uh, what's that about? That doesn't make any sense. And God says, in the midst of that, don't be tempted to withdraw your hand, Hazak, but strengthen, Hazak, the nail, the assignment I've given you. This is important for us. And from so many different, so many different um, angles, in this season, we, we absolutely have to embrace this divine identity of our assignment as being the nail, the nail in the holy place, the nail at the right hand, the nail from out from the Lord hosts, and the nail that is that point of earthquake, that point of fulfillment. And it's not the time to shrink back. It's the time to grip and hold on and and say my hand is just as firm on this perhaps more firm out of expectation than at any other time so this is this is a word in this year of grace for us and um i'm i'm very grateful and i i i was looking at this and that you know remember those several weeks where we were teaching about honor and the goodly horse in the battle um god's getting ready to he's getting ready to ride i mean he's everywhere he's moving but but there is there is major victory uh, coming very soon god's going to be moving in ways unlike anything we've ever seen and we need to we need to believe that and know that he's been perfecting us as people of his honor, people who have been imprinted by his divine identity. That's what he's going to ride in the battle. And um, we, we need to recognize that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't allow what the goats are doing in the next backyard or on the next field, we shouldn't allow what they're doing to discourage us from being what this says we are. Amen? So whose report will you believe? This focus 
is the nail in the, uh, you know, the nail is the most important thing of all in, in this equation with, with the strengthening, lengthening the cords and everything. Les can tell you this. Uh, I've only been camping two times in my life. Les is a, he's a camper. Barry's a camper. You can have the best equipment and all, but if you don't tether that sucker down, it can blow away when the first good wind comes or topple in on top of you. You don't want that happening. Well, I don't think you do. <laughs> and uh, the, the placement of the nail and establishing that securely is the thing that, that pretty much guarantees that all the other work you do is going to stay there. Now, again, you need every other part, but you can have every other part. And if you don't have that security of the nail in the proper place, it can all go away real fast and ruin your night and make you the laughing stock of the campground. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So this is a familiar teaching. We've taught it in other ways. You know, we did elemental understandings regarding, you know, the 10, we did the 10-4 campaign. Remember that? That was a big activation time we did here many, many years ago. And, um, but, but this is God taking that foundational understanding and bringing it about as a rhema to show us this at a needed moment. So there are a lot of different aspects of this that you can look at. And I, I encourage you to, to not just fold this up and tuck it in your Bible, but think of it. There's only four passages. Think on these things. Let, let, the, Lord, um, let the Lord cause this to be a, a, nu a nutrient in this walk of, of faith. Um, you know, I'll I, I just be honest with you, as opposed to the rest of the time I've been speaking tonight. Uh, we're, we're on the verge. We're already seeing a lot of victories. We're seeing expansion in tremendous ways. But I never thought we would be at this point facing some of the things that we're facing. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm astounded. As Mike Tomlin of the Steelers would say, I'm, I'm flummoxed by this. You know, I, I just don't, I don't get it. But I see in every one of these things a real clear picture of what we're facing right now in, in many ways. I see, I see a, a little space of grace in this year of great grace. I see uh, goats. I see... <laughs> I see the enemy saying that you're not going to make it. And I even see some of the aspects in Isaiah 54. And, and it's comforting to see those. It's encouraging to see those because God's not perplexed by any of this. And dare I say that for us to really have breakthrough and the victory God wants us to have, every one of these opposing factors need to be present as a theatron for the victory of the Lord to overcome, to gain the full measure of victory. 
You see, you can't just have spiritual victory without defeating these other things. You just can't. You just really can't. You think about it. How many of the big stories in the Bible, and by stories I mean historical accounts, uh, apply these things? Like right before David was going to be anointed king over all the people of God, what was that American bandstand like? You had the sons of Belial who were there talking up a storm against David. They were gathering stones to kill David right before. And what did David have to do? What did he have to do? He had to encourage himself in the Lord. Man, oh man, that doesn't seem like much of, a, of an invitation for a kingly coronation, does it? But there that is. Before Moses saw the Red Sea split open, if you believe that actually happened. Um, <laughs> we've seen the movie, Edgar G. Robinson's right there. Where's your God now, Moses? You know, they're all saying, hey, let's go back. I haven't had leaks for at least two hours. And, you know, they're ready to kill him, I guess. Um, but yet, that's what Moses faced, and he faced that a number of times. So many things. Um, Jesus, before, before the, in this Passion Week, he's praying in Gethsemane. You know, the spirit, the enemy's all around trying to attack, and he's, he's battling, and, and he comes to his disciples, and they're snoozing. <laughs> he wakes them up. He goes back to pray. He comes back, and they're snoozing again. And then finally he says, oh, forget it. You, you just sleep. The Lord says that. What kind of a thing is that? What kind of a thing is that? Anyway, there's lots of illustrations of those things, but the great victories of the Lord in the Bible and in our walk, which is based upon the Bible, um, the great victories of the Lord seem to be populated by these other influences. And they seem to be very per pervasive, and they seem to be uh, attractive to many people around but for us to see this victory we've got to do what we can to not give up or surrender what god has entrusted us to do and if you keep your eyes on what god has asked you to do he'll be faithful to you but you notice in none of these things does it say some demon is going to come and yank the nail away from you you see that anywhere no just say there's some big bad dude going to come and whomp you on the head and steal your nail? No. Or it could even be a big bad woman. I don't know. I think that's probably more likely in some instances. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't say that. Just say some government ruling is going to come make you surrender your nails and you're wearing t-shirt that says you can have my nail when you pry it for my cold dead fingers do you see that anywhere no every one of these the nail is dependent on you and you alone so it's up to us do you see oh here's another one do you see anywhere where the people are praying god said somebody else to put hands on my nail and hold it for me 
No. Does it say, you know, God, I know that when you gave me the nail at the right hand, you really, uh, for me to hold that nail, I need these five other guys that were praying for me. No, it's not there. It's up to us. And I would say that if you don't, if you don't be a, uh, a proper steward of this nail, this assignment and this goal that's been given to you by God, if you're not a steward of that, you can lose the victory. Oh, but God loves you too much that, you know, he's going to say, ah, you don't really have to hold on to that nail. You don't really have to strengthen your hands, you know. I know what you've been through. You can see somebody drawing one of those pictures, you know, that's the footprints in the sand thing, you know. I was looking on the sand, and I saw the footprints of one person, and I asked God, where were you? And he said, I was there. I was carrying you. You know, you've seen that thing. Imani probably has a couple of those that she's going to sell at the, at the uh, antiques dealership, <laughs> the secondhand shop. Um, you know, you, you're not going to see any paintings where, where God is saying, you know, you don't have to hold the nail. I'm holding it for you. No, this is our assignment. And it, this is a crucial word because we really, we're at a moment where the, the, the amazing, in this year of grace, the amazing victories of God are just, they've already been happening. But what we're going to see is beyond anything that we've ever thought of before. And so every one of these factors are, are applicable to where we are for the victory to come. So feast on these, look at these things and, and uh, let, let them provide strength and nourishment for you in this time because um, it really is, it really is, uh, you know, for me, you know, we've been doing this for so long, but in God's timetable, it's just been a, a split second. But, um, you know, I was praying in here today of this day of fasting, and I, <clears throat> I was just having a good time in the Lord. But, you know, my mind thinks about things from 50 different angles all the time, probably too much. And, I, you know, I was thinking about a lot of these factors, and I, you know, I was kind of complaining to the Lord in a, in a holy way. You know, you think if you complain to the Lord with just the right theological speech, you know, that it's okay. Well, it's not okay. And um, God just kind of started, wasn't yelling at me, but he's just lining me up. <laughs> so um, I, I, I avoided preaching that to you tonight. But these things are words for us and words for our network. And Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your scripture that it is, a, it is a lamp and a light and without it, we'll stumble and fall. But thank you, we have it. And uh, let these words be words in season for us and let your people move forward during this week and the days to come in triumph. And I pray that you will encourage each saint and uh, strengthen and let 
let your spirit come upon each of us in ways of your choosing and let us hear from you let us commune with you we love you father and we look forward to um, to sharing in your victory together and in that we rejoice but we rejoice even right now because this this is a storied moment it's a moment that we will testify about and let us let us for the joy set before us embrace this in fullness of faith and anticipation and um, I just simply speak blessing over every one of your people thank you for this time tonight and we ask all of this in Jesus name amen amen God bless you all thanks for being here thank you all for tuning in and we will look forward to the rest of this passion week together good night <laughs>